0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Claire. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics podcast at secondprintcomics.com. You're on The Run with Remzo W. Martinez. So a little behind-the-scenes action here. I am recording, as of right now, this episode, obviously, but I'm recording a bunch of episodes back-to-back because, uh, well, two things. One, out of my control. Uh, Two, in my control. Uh, The first one is, if you've listened to the last couple episodes here, or even uh, the Second Print Comics podcast, or or you've caught me over at the world, according to Ben Stein, you'll see that, and well, here, that I've not been coughing as often. I am pneumonia-free. I am COVID-free. I am COVID-pneumonia-free. I am feeling fine, except uh, for the past week, I noticed that I stopped coughing and I was feeling okay, except right now... I can feel it. There's something in the back of my throat that's just not all there. And I think it's just maybe allergies or something, or maybe I need to throw another blanket. But, uh, you know, for everything I do, I have to I have to be able to talk. I mean, you know, having access to your voice matters for all things, but for everything and everything I'm doing right now, it, it really does matter. So I want to go ahead and take advantage of it while well, I still do. Um, second. Second, I am taking a, a short trip in the coming weeks to North Chakalaka, North Carolina. I'm driving to go see an old army buddy of mine, and we're gonna go ahead and do a buddy stew and uh, have a ton of fun. And I'm gonna come back and, uh, you know, figure out what to do next. But welcome, welcome to On the Run. It has been uh, an interesting time to get back in the flow of things. I'm at a point in my life where I feel that I've Well, I think I've always been honest with you, but I want to let you in on more of where I am now and where I want to go with this show and my other escapades, but I feel that in order for you to truly understand that, you have to understand some of the things that led us here. I've said this once, and I'll say it a million times, because every episode is somebody's first episode, Um, my journey to getting back into podcasting was rather unexpected. I had stopped my original show, Rumso Republic, Rumson Martinez Experience back in the spring of 2018 to go and write my first book, Stay Away from Libertarians. And then during that period, um, it was it was really uh, time for me to aggressively try and find work. Uh, it was not until twenty twenty where we had just wrapped up filming uh well, we were halfway. Yeah, I think we were like halfway through filming season two of my television series with my brother, um, The Witching Hour, and I had wanted to get back into politics. Except, I'm a I'm a firm believer that if you have nothing to add, you really have nothing to say, and I feel that um, you know during that time, if I was going to get back into politics, I was obligated to speak about politics um, all the time, every time. And to, to a large extent, I, I still do that, but I didn't want to do that for a podcast. Uh, you know, I'd been there, done that, had a had a good time. I can tell you this, if I if I was just doing hot take politics all day, uh, ratings and downloads would be through the roof. I, I would already have been adopted by like RT or The Blaze or whatever, whatever other, you know, outlets are out there. But, um, you know, my, my brother and I were, were driving back from a photo shoot, uh, for, for the witching hour. And he said, you know, you should just do it because you enjoyed it. And, you know, you know, enough people and, uh, you know, Spangle, Chris Spangle has that outlet. We are libertarians. Maybe see what they want to do. Maybe you could do something with them. And I said, nah, they don't, they don't want to bring me back. I'm I'm not a real libertarian. It was funny. And I like, shit you not, two days later, I got a random message from Spangle saying, hey, we want to expand the network. You want to come on? And I was, uh, you know, at that point, I'm like, you know, it's the sign. And uh, I told him straight up, it's not going to be like the old show. It's not going to be the old show. It's going to be something entirely different, entirely new. And the focus is not going to be politics every single episode. And he said, I'm cool with that. And uh, what's funnier is that, It was right around March 2020. We're getting everything set up. This was supposed to be a travel show, believe it or not, back in the before times, before everything happened. And uh, right when the lockdowns happened and all my trips, all my personal trips, all my work trips, everything that I was going to use to get content for the show (laughs) was basically canceled. So I was like, oh shit, Um, what do I do? So I had to quickly work on the marketing materials and it was going to be... uh, we're going to travel. No, 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 that won't work because we're not physically going anywhere. I got to sound more, more poetic in a way. Um, let's say we're going on a journey through life. And I, I really, you know, I want to use this as an opportunity to talk about everything I did because, you know, I'm a real person. There are things that I, I have an interest in and there are things I do outside of the show. Um, you know, the paranormal tourism, uh, you know, type show I did where I would go to popular and some very not popular locations, see whether or not they were haunted, as We've discussed in past episodes. You can catch ev- everything in the show notes. Say if you want to go ahead and watch that. Both season one and two are out. Uh, you know, I want to talk about that stuff. I want to talk about people living different type of lives, lifestyles. You know, off the grid people trying to find financial independence, digital nomads, um, morticians, cops. Homeless people, I mean everybody, and you know it's 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 a beautiful thing because this show has really expanded my worldview. and it's given me the opportunity to ask questions and learn things that I I would have never had any anywhere else. And you know, there there are certain parts of me there, like you know, maybe I should go back to school, maybe I should do something else. But really, um, this podcast and the, all all the other projects I do, they've They've not only expanded my networks, but they've helped me create friends for life. They've taught me skills and knowledge that I would have never obtained any other way. And, uh, you know, it's it's about the journey of putting yourself out there and, and seeing what you can do. Uh, back in – so I graduated from Liberty University in 2017. I don't talk about it a lot, but in 2016, I was uh, in a pretty bad car accident, Um I had already been dealing with a pretty bad concussion uh, a few months before that, and just as I was recovering from that, I was in the accident. Um, Got another concussion on top of that concussion. It turned into a severe chronic migraines, and I also messed up uh, part of my neck. I had a pretty big protruding uh, nerve, a hemorrhage nerve that was sticking out of my neck, and I would not know about it for about uh, a year and a half, actually, because dealing with the, the military health care system I was in the National Guard at the time. Uh, the, the health care system provided was absolutely horrendous. That and I was also finishing undergrad. I, I wanted to I wanted to go to work after that. So I put off my health, um, dealing with that chronic pain, dealing with over-medication use uh, because doctors were just throwing everything at me. And uh, it was really it, it was really tough. honestly, 2017 is a blur for me. I almost remember, nothing. Um, I wasn't working full-time. I was doing, I was trying to do my show the full-time, uh, as full-time work. I, I really don't remember a lot of it. I mean, there, I can, I can remember a lot about my life. I'm only 26. I haven't, I haven't done that much, but 2017 through, uh, you know, mid 2018 when I started uh, getting proper treatment and everything. And when I finally got my, uh, my surgery in 2018 to go ahead and take care of that nerve. They literally like burned it off. It was called a radiofrequency ablation. Um, I I don't remember much. I mean, anyone that lives with chronic pain uh, both physically and with migraines it's a, it's a silent nightmare that we have to deal with. And it has affected my personal life as much as it's affected my uh, professional life. It's one reason why I work at night typically because I need things to be dim, and I need things to be quiet. Um, you know, it wasn't just because I, I like to sleep in and I'm a night owl. It, it also beca- uh, became part of that. I've also got chronic insomnia that uh, is, is basically, you know, treated, but sometimes it uh, it comes back in, in really bad spurts. So I'm I'm a mess. I'm a, I'm a terrible mess, and I also gained a bunch of weight during that time. So th- that – that that turned into um, some really dark times for me. My confidence was at an all time low. Um, I did not think very highly of myself, and I was just I was just sad. And for anyone that has uh, been through a period of depression like this, you understand that it just gets to the point where you just stop feeling, and you just stop thinking about what what you want to do. Long term, you you no longer become a goal or oriented person. You are just kind of taking things day by day, and uh, that's a that's a tough, terrible way to live. It's it's not fun. Uh, my father was also um, deployed at the time, and uh, you know, for for me growing up in a military family, my dad's been gone a lot. But you know, I like to spend time with my father. He's my best friend, and uh, for him to not physically be here, um, because he was over there and the time differences and everything, you know, it was, it was, it's easier now than like, like, let's say 2006 when he was in Iraq and there was no Facebook or anything like that. Uh, you know, I could, I could send him messages and we could send emails and every once in a while we could, you know, go on Skype and, um, you know, video chat each other, but it's, it's not the same. And, uh, you know, at this point, my, my first book was, had already come out in uh, in June of 2018. That kind of got me back on the block, so to speak. It got me out there talking again. I had to put on suits and be presentable and shave and not show up to events drunk and stuff like that. It was a it was a it was a time where I'm just trying to figure myself out. Uh, I had a great publicist who was helping me out, Gabriella Hoffman. She uh she talked me up to a lot of people and. Uh, you know, she she made me presentable <laughs> for the most part. Um, but my father was coming back. We hadn't done much of anything as, you know, father and son in a while because he was also deployed my junior, senior year of high school. After that, I joined the military, went to college. Um, we had gone on some weekend trips together. When I moved back to Virginia, we went to Shepherdstown. I remember we went kayaking there. It's a lot of fun. Uh, if you go to Shepherdstown, West Virginia, uh, lots of lots of active outdoor stuff. But what we hadn't done was we hadn't gone on a trip. We hadn't really done anything where it's just us trying to focus on having fun for a few days. So my father um, decided to go ahead and trip, uh, plan a trip to Iceland. Now, I don't know if he knew this, but um, I had always wanted to go to Iceland. I mean, he did too, but I, I think for a while, for like a full year, I, I tried to get him to do it in like 2013, 2014. So I think I planted it in his head. In 2013, 2014, there was a movie that came out that not a lot of people saw because it wasn't what they were really expecting. But it was uh, Ben Stiller's first directorial debut called The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. It had Kirsten Wigg in a role that was actually good for her, unlike Wonder Woman 1984 And basically, it's about a guy who basically wanted to travel the world, wanted to do all these great things, except his father dies when he's a teenager. So he has to work as a kid and work really hard as a young adult to help out his family. And uh, you know, he just gets a corporate job at a place uh, called Life Magazine, which you know used to be a magazine, and he works in their photo department. So you know, working there and working in the photo department, he's he gets to live through and imagine his life. Through the photos of the people he sees, actually experiencing things around the world, good and bad, and uh, he he wants he wants that, but he's he's just contempt with his life. He just doesn't think it's gonna get anywhere. And long story short, for those of you that haven't seen this movie, and really, it's it's probably, I think I can, I think I can say it's my favorite movie. Um, he has to go on an adventure to find a lost photo that he, that, that was taken by, uh, Sean Penn's character, who's like the, the world's biggest badass photographer. He loses the photo. So he has to go and try and find, you know, the duplicate or the negative or the safe file, because apparently this guy only works through like telegram and stuff. So he's hard to find. So he ends up going on an adventure by tracking him down to his last couple whereabouts and, I mean, the film primarily takes place in Iceland. Well, he starts in Greenland, then he goes and he takes uh, a boat over to Iceland. Then he comes back and gets more clues in New York, where where he's working. And then he goes to like Afghanistan, and somehow I think he ends up in like uh, the Himalayas or something. It's it's a it's a crazy film, but the the gist of the film is in Iceland and. It's uh it's one of those places that's just it's so barren and I think not a lot of people really know anything about it. Watching that movie I'm just like this is so crazy with the volcano scene and the black sand beaches and everything I'm like this is out of this world. So, you know, watching that film as a as a young person going through a big transition stage in my life, it, it really it, it you know, it really left an impression on me. So here I am kind of like in my own Walter Mitty mindset. Life is not great. I'm seeing all my friends and all, all these other people, my age going off and doing amazing things. I'm lost. I have no clue. And I just get contempt with it. And, uh, you know, I, I say this about watches, like, you know, I've got really expensive, nice watches, but you know, during this time I didn't wear any of them because I'm like tag Hoyer is for winners. Omega is for winners. (laughs) And, um, uh, you know, I thought you know vacations are for winners. I mean, what, people are gonna look at me; they're gonna be like, "Why is he going on vacation? He should go to the gym or get a job." <laughs> and uh, you know, we we end up scheduling uh, a trip. We were we were going to be there for about eight nine days, and uh, <laughs> actually, no, it was more like two weeks. So yeah, it was about eh, let's just say a week and a half. So anyway, um, it's my father, it's myself, and it's my brother Ryan. Uh, we were getting really into photography at that point, had just started uh, doing filmmaking around that time. So I'm just thinking, you know, I'm going to go ahead and do this uh, trip and, you know, I'm going to try and just have fun, try not to think about anything else. I was also applying um, for, for a couple of jobs. And uh, one was at a job at a, at a at a public relations firm in Arlington that, I had gone through like six interviews for. I had done like a ton in person, and I was like the top contender for that, and it was a dream job of mine, and uh, I had gotten a call a few days before our trip to Iceland, and they had basically told me, hey, we, uh, we don't have... position now because we we gave it to somebody who we thought was a better candidate, except we want you to come here. We're going to go ahead and make a position for you. And we've already got the budget approved to bring on another person. We want you on our team. Just give us a week or so and we'll get back to you. So I said, okay, I'll I'll be in Iceland. I won't have my uh, international, you know. Uh, planned for my cell phone with me, so I mean, you could send me a, an email, and they're like, nah, I'm not much of an email guy. I'll call you." And I re- remember that he said he's gonna call me. And this is a person I had met with at least like four or five times, several in person at this point. So the the first thing we do is uh, we're at the Dulles Airport. We we flew um we we flew Iceland there. and the thing about Iceland there is they're not like uh, you know. Air Emirates or something like that, where you've got like the beautiful women and the amazing service. Um, Iceland Air had billed themselves as one of those types of airlines where it's just beautiful stewardesses and amazing service. Um, it was it was like a four five hour flight straight, and um, not gonna lie, Iceland Air was pretty shitty. Uh, the the women were. You know, they were pleasant. They, they weren't the supermodels I saw in the marketing. And they weren't that nice. And they all spoke English and they all knew it fluently. So it was not a lost in translation thing. They weren't that nice either. They gave us a, a bottle of uh, glacier water because – and that should have been the first thing to tell me that this country is a little odd. They really boast about how clean their water is. And I, Icelandic water does taste different. Glacier water is different. I will, I will attest to that. But uh, you know they're they're kind of they're kind of short with us. They they throw us all a whole bottle of water right at the beginning of the flight, like as we're still like we we had just finished taxiing and we're like ascending into the sky. Usually when they would say it's not safe to move, they're just like walking around, like throwing throwing bottles of water like Tony Romo hitting people in the face. It was just it was just odd. The and the pilots, I feel like. The the pilots could have used a few hours of instruction. That was odd, but at least it wasn't Wow Airlines, which went out of business years later. My my girlfriend's uh, brother and his wife during their honeymoon, they took Wow Airlines. They were going to Europe, but they had to do a layover in uh, in Reykjavik, um, in Reykjavik, Iceland. And as they were waiting for their layover, Wow Airlines announced that they had just completely shut down. <laughs> so they were stuck in iceland for a few days i mean they just left people there like just the whole thing just shut down as people were still working and they're like sorry you've got to find another flight so i think they they flew air france but they were they didn't get, even get a refund it was ridiculous so you know iceland air and wow airlines rest in peace wow airlines not not the best when it comes to your air travel options but uh but we get there and here's where i know Uh, my decision-making skills are definitely hereditary because I get this from my father. We were staying, um, in a, in a small apartment, which is very pleasant because my college dorm was bigger than this room that three of us were staying in. Uh, it was a one bed. Several of us were going to have to sleep on the floor. They had like these little cots. Uh, it had an electric stovetop and a sink and a bathroom. And it was about the size of a, of, of a closet. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we land in Reykjavik, we go, I'm sorry, we land at the Reykjavik airport, we take a bus in town, uh, we get off our, our, you know, quote unquote apartment. And the only nice thing about that was like, it was in the middle of the city, which, you know, usually I'd be like, oh, that must've been so expensive. Not necessarily. Here's the thing about Reykjavik, like 95% of the country lives in Reykjavik. But I'm pretty sure Fairfax County, Virginia, where I live, is bigger than the population of Iceland. Like, it is a quiet freaking town. There is no rush hour. Everyone is freaking related to each other. And I, I shit you not, one thing I learned during my research for Iceland is that um, you have so many cases of people uh, going to bars and accidentally hooking up with their cousins that they didn't know about. They actually had to find, they actually, somebody created an app. I'll try and find the name of the app. They had to literally create an app. I think it, it relate. it translates to, uh, to English as like cousin kisser. And what it does is before you're going to consent to hooking up with somebody at a bar, you basically have to put in some information. And this app tells you whether or not you're related. So it's a small, small population, and uh, the one good thing was like literally the where where all the travel agency and tour companies where they would pick everyone up for like every tour in the country, because everything starts in Reykjavik. Um, it was literally outside of our front door, so like it was one of the situations where it's like you know this is the this is the city. There's like nobody here. It's it's a lot of tourists, and um, you know it's ev- everything you want to do in the entire country. Uh, tour-wise, uh, guide-wise, is right outside our doorstep. So it, it worked out, but uh, not necessarily as we got there. My father had told us, you know, the, Iceland, the, the Icelandic government has uh, made it so that way you could literally drink the purest water on earth straight from the sink. Now, if you're a traveler or if you've traveled overseas, you know that when you land there, do not drink water out of the sink. Don't drink water that does not come from a bottle. The reason why is because every country has different standards in terms of how they treat their water. So regardless of where you go, if you go to another country, you're going to be dealing with different water standards. Case in point, my father should have figured this the fuck out. When he was in Korea as a, as a young officer, I think he was a first lieutenant at the time, he went to a well on base Because he was thirsty and he drank from it and he got like these microbes in his stomach that made him severely sick for several weeks. And everyone was like, don't drink the water from the Koreans unless it comes in a bottle, which is, you know, done differently uh, because you will get sick. So you would have thought he did that. But no, he's telling us again, the Icelandic government has made it so that way this is the best water on earth. You could drink it from the sink. We don't need to go out and buy water. So what do the three of us do? We uh, we land after a long flight. We're we're looking at our map of where we're gonna go the next couple of days, and we go ahead and you know pour ourselves some glasses of water straight from the bathroom sink. We clink our glasses, we drink it, and holy fuck, I was, I the the sickness I felt in that apartment in Reykjavik was worse than COVID. I can tell you that because I was puking and I couldn't sleep and I was feeling terrible and I'd skipped a couple medications and I'm jet lagged and the, what, the Icelandic language is weird. So there's like nothing on TV except a few English channels playing reruns of the Big Bang Theory. So my brother and my dad, they, they look at me and they're just like, how did you get sick? How are you sick? So for three days straight, I did not leave the apartment. So for two days, because we had three days, we were just going to walk around and, you know, explore the city. And then, um, on the fourth day, that's, that was when we were going to start, uh, another five days of tours. My brother and my father go out and they're experiencing, uh, Reykjavik and I'm just dying. So on our, uh, on our first tour, which is taking us to the black sand beaches in the small town of vik I'm, I'm finally better. And, um, you know, we're we're on a bus. It's about a two and a half hour uh, drive out there, and this is this is also so it's like I'm in a new country. I also hadn't left the apartment in days, so like this was it all felt very like overwhelming for me because Iceland is just a country like no other. Um, I I've gotten the the pleasure of getting to travel to like you know Canada, um, Australia, New Zealand. And, uh, you know, they're they're all very different. Even parts of the United States are starkly different from other parts. But, like, Iceland is out of this world. There are geysers everywhere. There are swarms and flocks of sheep and, you know, uh, mountain rams everywhere. And... It was, just, it was just overwhelming. So we get to Veek, and some of you may have seen this from Game of Thrones. I know you see this at the beginning of Star Wars Rogue One, where it's like they, they land at the beginning of the film, and it's just black sands. This is where they filmed it, and they've filmed a ton of movies there. But uh, I, I remember the the next couple days after after the Veek trip, and he, he, I think we went back to Veek again for something different, We, we just, we just got to see things that, you know, you might see on like National Geographic or something, but it's just out of this freaking world. And I can't pronounce all these things. I went ahead and pulled up the names and the, how to pronounce them. But like, um, one of the places that we got to go see was the, uh, Joccaslaurin, I, I'm going to fuck it up a lot. So just, just, you know, be with me here. Glacier Lagoon. And I mean, this is one of the most crazy things I've ever seen. So we get to this lagoon where they call it diamond beach, because what you have is like little glaciers that, you know, get smaller over time. They will go ahead and actually beach themselves. Like if a whale or a dolphin or something gets beached. Um, So you've got this black sand beach on this side of the island, where you have like all these glaciers that are like thousands hundreds and thousands of years old that are just you know they're they're it it's the it's the clearest type of bluish ice you've ever seen and they get beached on the black sand and it looks like something out of interstellar interstellar was another movie they actually filmed in this location and um you know you could you could literally they they only advise swimming out because the water's, you know, right at freezing temperature but um like what they have is they have like canoes and they have uh you know boats that will actually take you out and you can actually touch a glacier. And I kid you not, my father, my brother and I we we get up to a ridge and we actually pull out our drone and I'm mad at my brother because years later we have not he's not shown us the drone footage. I don't know why. He's always giving a reason. But uh, we get the drone and we're looking out at at this lagoon. And it's just crazy, and we see this boat uh, coming back to the beach to to finish a tour, and literally, like a thirty foot um, above above the surface uh, glacier literally tips over, like it flips over, like it it just it's crazy, and it doesn't make a giant sound or anything. It's just like. It just flipped over. So now what was at the bottom below the surface of the water is now on top. And what you see is that it almost looks like glass because, you know, the the part of the glacier that's above the water is exposed to air and everything else. And right at the bottom, it's just, you know, it's extra freezing. So it literally flips around. The people on the boat look, and they're, they're freaking out because they think it's going to, like, drag them underwater like something out of Titanic. And my brother catches this on the drone and we just watch it and we're like that 30 foot thing, which is probably like 60 feet if, you know, assuming it was proportional to the bottom. It just, it just flips. It it sounded like somebody had dropped, um, you know, had dropped something heavy in the water. But not not as loud. Like it's just one of the most alien things I've ever seen. So everyone on the beach, everyone on the ridge, where we were get a bigger, uh, better overlook shot, and everyone on the boat. It's like everybody. You could feel everyone's attention just go to that, and they're just watching that, and they're like, "That is so weird." So that was one of the things that I mean, just completely blew my mind. And, you know, I'm actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna link over to my Instagram. It's just, Hey, Remso on Instagram, you could scroll way down and you might be able to see photos, but I've got, I've got an article here that's got really good photos of a, of a lot of the places that I went. And, um, I mean, it's just, it it looks like glass sculptures. It is the most crazy thing I've ever seen. So, I mean, it felt, it felt alien and it was still, it was just, it's just so different I, I couldn't tell it was actually real. Um, so then, uh, you know, we, we get to go see a whole bunch of other mountain ranges, a, a lot of stuff from Game of Thrones. Um, we, we went to the South coast to see the beaches at Veek and they have this tessellated cave that looks like something straight out of, you know, a, a, a film that takes place on alien planet, basically the side of this mountain that is hit by the water over years, for some reason, um, the, uh, a cave formed, but doesn't look like a regular cave. And it's not even that deep. It's like somebody dented a perfect hole into the side of this, uh, mountain where, because of the coastal changes with water and, uh, you know, water currents and everything else, um, it's on the black sand. So you can walk into the cave and take photos. I'll, I'll try and post some photos here, but Um, it's just, it looks like steps. It looks like something out of a movie set. You look at this and you're like, how the hell could nature do this? Like this has to be man-made. Like Disney must've put billions of dollars into making this thing. And they're just like, no water, pressure, erosion, and time as, as the one, uh, tour guide said, and he said it in like, you know, his accent. So it's like water, pressure, erosion, and time. It was just, it's just so cool. And as I'm watching this, like I'm getting out of my funk like i am thousands of miles away from home i am seeing things that even i didn't predict i was going to be able to see it was it was crazy and uh, it's called a right uh Ret- uh, Retnesvara, uh Retnesvara beach right outside of veek and um you, you guys have to see if you're listening to this especially you know at this point you have to see these photos i'm going to link to the article but um, the next day, we got to see something called uh, the Golden Circle. Actually, let me take that back. It wasn't we, it was me. Because remember how I got sick earlier? Well, karma's a bitch, at the end of the first day's tour on the bus, my father and brother just start puking everywhere. In fact, as we were at Diamond Beach, my dad grabbed me as everyone was walking back. He's like, I need, I just need to put my hand on your shoulder. I'm like, what's wrong? And he puked all over my boots, and uh, that, was, that was not that fun. So basically, the next day, I go on the next tour ourse- myself to go see the Golden Circle. And the Golden Circle was... Uh, uh, Thingvellir, <laughs> I'm totally screwing this up. I couldn't even pronounce it then. Thingvellir National Park, Gullfoss waterfall, and the geyser area, known as Strokkur geyser, and um, you know uh, Thingvellir National Park was also called the old. Uh, the old Congress or the old Parliament or something like that. Basically, it's where all the Icelandic, the Nordic tribes would go, and it's along the continental divide. So you see, literally, you're standing on a con- on a on a tectonic plate that is still moving, and uh, it's beautiful. It's like this giant slab of just pure earth divided and you see this beautiful stream and it's just like something like it, I felt like I was in Skyrim like it was it was crazy and I'm looking around and I look at the tour guide I'm like man this is so beautiful and and the stream I mean I bet you guys could do like you know small boat races I'm I'm tranquil I'm just looking around admiring the beauty and he looks at me he's like we oh, used to drown witches here and I'm like a a long time ago, right? And he was like, well, up until recently. And then um, I'm like, okay, this is this is kind of this is different. It's different. Um, At at the end of it is the Oxifar's waterfall. And it's 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 crazy. So I mean, I'm just I'm just walking along this. And I'm like, I'm walking on a tectonic plate. This is absolutely insane. Um, At at the end of it, I mean, we got to see a whole ton of things that I, I just don't even remember. But uh, the geysers were crazy. I mean, you could almost walk up to them. They, you don't, you don't want to walk up to it. But I mean, just seeing them bursting. Um, the the beautiful thing about nature, and the beautiful thing about traveling far away from your typical surroundings, is that you really get to see how incredible the Earth is. And I mean, astronauts in space, they say this, and you know, we're talking Americans, Russians, Japanese, Korean. Everyone that's been able to go up to space, they all come back with the same message. It's like when we look down, it's just such a small planet. And we see it move every, every, every night. And it's just it's it's amazing how when you look at it, it puts the world and it puts existence in perspective. And, you know, this was this was that experience for me, just getting to witness all of this because you just realize how remarkably strange the world is and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just something that you can't really get anywhere else. And this was one of those moments where, uh, you know, I definitely, definitely put myself out there to get sick again, but we went to another uh, set of waterfalls. They were twin waterfalls called Skogafoss and, uh, Foss waterfalls. And, um, there's some of the largest waterfalls in Iceland, I uh, got some great pictures there. but the thing about Skolgafoss is that if you you can at, there's um there there's there's a there's a break in the in the in the fall where you can actually climb up the mountain and you can stand behind the waterfall. The thing is though that the steps actually end about halfway through and you basically have to climb yourself nothing that you know um, if if you're mobile, you can get there, and as long as you watch your footing, anyone can get up there. You don't need to be, you know, an experienced mountain climber to get up there. But you know, I'm I'm at this point in my life, my my body's just not where it needs to be. Um, my my confidence is not where it needs to be. I used to do a lot of cool stuff my first couple of years in the army, repelling squad level tactics, riding in helicopters. I mean, I I did a lot of, you know, I was I was on the school's ranger challenge team during the spring. Um, like it was all, all the cool things that I was able to do, you know, to be a, to be a precision athlete, um, all that was gone. And I'm just thinking, you know, it must be nice to see all the land from behind that waterfall to get to stand behind a waterfall. So I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna go and do it and uh, yeah, I was huffing and puffing and sweating and I, I must have made some, some grunting noises, but I get up there and I look around and to see God's beauty in that way, it's one of those moments I could still I could just close my eyes and remember it so vividly. And uh, you know, at the end of the waterfall there's a stream. And uh, they, you know, they're very, they're they're very eco friendly when it comes to everything. And one thing the tour guy said was, "This is one of the few places on earth you could walk up to the stream and you can drink the water, and it will be the cleanest, purest water you will ever drink in your life." Now, remember, they had also said that to us a million times, and my dad may have drank the sink water, and uh, you know, I thought I was going to die. But you know, part of me, I see this, I see this other tourist uh, from. Uh, from Italy, uh, me and him stand next to each other. And I look at him, I'm like, you want to drink from the stream, don't you? And he's like, yes, they say it's a soul good. And I'm like, okay, well, if you drink from it, I'm going to drink from it too. I drank from it and I swear to God, it is like drinking from the fountain of youth. It was fine. And I did not get sick from that. Um, just, just absolutely crazy. Um, we we got to see some of the other uh, touristy spots too. We didn't get to the farthest southest end of the island, but uh, you know a few days later, uh, my dad and my brother are fine. We get to go uh, explore a few other places, uh, go go run around. Reykjavik, which is an expensive as hell city. I think I paid seven dollars for a can of coke, uh, ridiculous. And uh, you, know, I'll, you know I you know I like to experience food, the cuisine when I go to places. If uh, I, I believe that every culture has a great food, and that's how you can, you know, learn about each other and develop a connection. But let me tell you, if if Iceland was a was a was a food group or something, or, or was a certain meal, it would be mayonnaise, because it is the worst fucking shit I've ever had in my life. It's lamb stew everywhere, and like, just just I mean they they eat they eat fermented shark testicles. Like they don't even have a McDonald's. Actually, they tried making a McDonald's there and they had one McDonald's in the entire country and nobody wanted to eat from McDonald's. So McDonald's closed. I think it's one of the few developed nations in the world that does not have a freaking McDonald's because McDonald's could not survive there. So, I mean, crazy, crazy on that end. But, um, the, the day before we left the, the mountain Range around the city, uh, the the Black Mountains. I that's something like that in English. Uh, one thing we wanted to do was we wanted to do something a bit more adventurous that we couldn't do. Like if let's say my my mom came, uh, my dad was able to go ahead and link us up with this um, company that does ATV rides. And what they do specifically is you do ATV rides around the around the range, and you get to the farthest the the highest point of the mountain. And you can watch the midnight sun go down behind the city of Reykjavik. So we're waiting uh, outside of our place and a whole bunch of a whole bunch of buses come by and none of them are ours. and our guy's like 30 minutes late. Then this dingy van comes up and this guy that looks like a freaking Viking scary dude pulls up and he's like, Martinez." And we're like, yeah, and he's like, get in the van. We go to ATV and we're just like, okay. He hasn't talked to us the entire time. It's kind of shifty. And we're getting farther and farther away from Reykjavik. So then he pulls us up to what looks like something out of like Batman versus Superman, you know, the wharf, where it's just like these dark, cringy warehouses. So we get out of the the van and he's like, wait here. Scary dude. He walks around the corner. We don't see signs. We don't see ATVs. We don't see anyone. My brother and I, we look at our father. And my father looks at each of us, and I look at my brother. I'm like, what's going to happen now? And he cuts me off. He's like, I'm going to take him high, and I say, I'm going to take him low. And we both look at my father, and we're like, and you're just going to kick him as much as you can as we get him down. And uh, as we're prepared to fight our potential kidnapper, uh, the, the big door to the warehouse opens up, and we see ATVs and, uh, you know, uh, riding suits, and you know, obviously he was not there to kidnap us. It was our actual tour. Uh, what we didn't realize was that this was an advanced ATV course, and I had never driven an ATV in my life. So uh, you know, he gives us an, uh, he he gives us a breakdown. He's a bit more friendly at that point. He's like, "Okay, you all know how to do this," and we're like, uh, "Not really." So he's like, "Oh, it, it, easy. It's like bicycle." go faster. So uh, he just says, just follow along and, you know, there's no speed limit. So just be safe and, uh, you know, keep close. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just freaking out because I, you know, I've got the full gear on and everything, the jumpsuit, the helmet, and we're, it felt like Luke Skywalker and the land speeders on Endor and, in uh, the, the, the return of the Jedi, because it's, you know, it's, it's just black sand and giant hills and i'm you know i'm flying off of you know where like dirt ramps and stuff it was crazy i felt like freaking james bond john wick and the whole time i'm thinking this is so awesome and i'm fucking scared at one point i was going too slow so the guy actually fell back and he lifts up his visor and he's like fast fast so i'm getting yelled at by this viking on an atv and we're just like we're just racing up and down and around the corners and i'm i'm trying to dodge giant rocks in the path it was it was insane i'm like who the hell would let people who have never ridden an atv do this but it was so fucking fun i was terrified for my brother and my father um it was just like i'm i this is this is insane so we get to the top of the mountain And, uh, at this point, it's like five minutes to midnight. We look out and it looks like the sun is lighting up the entire country. And as it descends, you could see darkness beginning to fall into the city. And it is the single most beautiful view I've had in my entire life. Um, the next day, uh, actually, no, that, that, that ATV ride along the, the the mountain range around Reykjavik was the, was the day before our last day. Uh, my brother and my father after that they felt really sick it's like they got better then they got a little bit worse so they're like you know uh, we might go walk around in the city in the afternoon but uh you're gonna go see um you know a giant glacier one of the a landlocked glacier so basically it's a glacier that is literally s- s- just smushed like it's just planted flat between two giant mountains and it's one of the uh one of the largest landlocked glaciers in the world. So I go on a tour to see that. And I just remember it actually was not that cold. So I could wear like a vest and a flannel. And, um, this is actually my profile pic on my, on my personal Facebook, but, um, we just, uh, I, I didn't do the tour because it was a little bit more expensive. you actually wanted to hike on the glacier, you could actually do that. I, I just got to walk as close to it as possible. And, um, it's just I I felt so small. Uh, the photo doesn't do it justice. It doesn't. I mean, it's this giant fucking glacier, and you're just looking at it. It's like this is this is crazy. It's stuck between two giant mountains. And uh, well, well, one that's my favorite selfie, but two, it's like that. That was where like everything from the last couple of days. You know, it just it was good for my soul. Because just like it had forced Walter Mitty, I was not chased by an erupting volcano debris, but like, you know, with, with the ATV ride, with seeing the glaciers, getting to go see these just remarkably crazy things of with the, with the waterfall hike, uh, and, and just getting to just be in awe of existence. It was one of those moments where it's like, you know, I, I am so small. My problems are so trivial. The world is so big. And so unexplainable. I mean, of course, there are explanations for everything. But for me, it's just like you just look at this and you're like, how and why? And uh, it, it, it awoken something in me. It made me excited to explore again. The next day, um, we're back at the Reykjavik International Airport. And uh, I had apparently a couple missed calls. And uh, I'm trying to call it back because in the message uh, from from the one firm, it was like, "Rumso, uh, please call me back. I uh, I call the guy back, and there was not too much of a time delay, so I must have called him as he's finishing work. And uh, It's like his whole tone changed. He's like, hello? And I'm like, hi, uh, sir, you, you tried calling me. We were talking about the new position. And literally he said, oh, yeah, I, I, I think I know what you're talking about, but I forgot about that, and uh, we won't be going through. So I just, I just look at my father, and he's like, how do you feel? And I'm like, it's trivial. It's one job out of many potential jobs. And, uh, I felt, I felt like shit, like it had kind of dampened my time, but I got back and immediately a friend gave me a, a job for, for a couple of months, uh, get getting back into politics a little bit. Uh, that, that's another adventure I'll talk about later that I, I, ended up traveling a bit for that to another crazy place, but, um, you know, that. It doesn't have to be Iceland. It could be anywhere that's significantly different. It could even be in your own backyard. One of my favorite trips was a trip I took myself back during the high of the pandemic and the lockdowns, just driving in my own backyard of Virginia, seeing things that just, you know, simple, big stuff that's not often on the touristy map, uh, maps and stuff like it's just, I, I know that for myself, I have to travel. That's why a lot of these restrictions have been so difficult, um, But, you know, that, that was a, that was a point in my life where I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had no interest. I had no goals. And, uh, you know, I thank, I thank my dad for taking me and my brother on that trip because I I needed that. And, you know, um, it's just one of those moments where I look back and it's like, what was something that was not, you know, a a big loud moment that changed me. And it it genuinely was that trip. I don't think many people say vacations change them forever. It's like, Oh, it's a trip I'll never forget. But truly it was, it was a trip that changed me because it, it showed me that, you know, the world is an amazing place and there are things out there that happen even though they shouldn't happen and stuff that you might not be able to catch it on camera immediately, but you're just there in that moment. It reminds me at the end of the film uh, where Sean Penn is about to take a photo of like with the last uh, Bangladeshi snow leopard or something, and Walter's like, why are you staring at it? you got gonna take the shot before it runs. And he's just like, nah, I, I'm just gonna, this is just gonna be for me. I wanna see it with my eyes. And he moves from around the, the camera on the tripod, and he just stares at it, and Walter and him just stare at it. And, uh, I don't remember if he gets the photo or not, but the big purpose of that moment is, you know, sometimes you don't want to separate yourself between the world and a screen or the world in a lens or a viewfinder. Sometimes you just have to see it. It's like, you know, I've got some, I I've got some acquaintances and former colleagues who are like, why would I go there? I could just fucking Google it. Why would I take, why would I take photos of something that I could just Google it? And it's like, you know, it's, it's different. And, uh, you know, ultimately like how that Phil made Walter want to reconnect with the world and try new things. And, you know, he had that spark of life again. It literally did that for me. Um, And it's, it's one of the reasons that stuck with me for so long that I wanted to come back and do on the run. And even though things have changed, Aren't we all better, especially for all of you who have been with me for a while? Aren't we all better for the people that we've met through here, for the things that we've learned through here, for the topics and the questions and the conversations that we wouldn't have had otherwise? Because the world is a giant, big place and it's beautiful, and I'm I'm in awe of creation. And uh, last story before we wrap up: puffins. You know, they they're the the porgs from the last Jedi were based off puffins. Puffins are the most adorable bird ever. Um, I was told by a tour guide that they're the that the they're the least distinguished bird in Iceland because when Iceland was kind of put on the travel radar after a big volcano erupted, uh, pausing global air traffic, uh, people began to realize oh Iceland's a country of people with cool things so you know the the, the tourist boom which happened before right you know, like like right around 2015 2016 that's why you know my dad looked again and he was like oh trips uh, trips to Iceland are cheap and I've had friends that went there before me my good friend Matt. Gave us a lot of recommendations uh Andrew took his girlfriend there, and he had a ton of fun. so a lot of people I know were going to Iceland and you know it was just good timing um, but uh apparently there's a story of a puff of a of a flock of puffins at one of the black sand beach, beaches near Vik and this drunk American tourist wanted to go pet a puffin and what the puffins did is the tourists got in the water freezing water. Um, what they did was they they slowly drifted out to see more these adorable little things. And uh, the guy's just, you know, he's, he's trying to get in the water, but he's drunk and he's cold and he's getting farther and farther out because he wants to pet the puffins. He's like, come here, little puffin, I want to pet you. Um, what they do when he starts to, you know, lose consciousness and he's starting to pop up and down, they float back to him and they begin to kick him, you know, just under the water with their little feet. They just start kicking him down to drown him. And uh, apparently he washed up on the black sand a few days later. And uh, everyone looked around and they're like, why are all these scratches on his face? And the puffins are just out there looking back at the humans. The most beautiful bird I've ever seen, also known as the least dignified, least distinguished bird in all of Iceland, according to an interesting tour guide who looked like Liam Neeson. uh, That was fun. Anyway, go out and explore. Go out and have fun. Travel is good for the soul. And go out and do things, force your, you know, have an ounce of courage. Be Major Tom floating in the tin can and you're just wondering, are you going to make it home? If I could get up that waterfall with my fat ass and get that beautiful moment, we can all do a little bit of something to show an ounce of bravery in our life and experience the adventures around us. Good, bad, or indifferent, regardless of where you are in the world, your situation, the administration, the weather, road construction, there's always a way. And there could be adventure, whether it's thousands of miles in, a, in an alien land, very different from your own, or even in your backyard that you have yet to explore, go out and experience the, the beauty of the world around you. I'm Remso W. Martins Find me on Instagram Everywhere else At Hey Remso Parlor And uh, Spreely It's a new platform I joined Spreely Just at Remso R-E-M-S-O Please if you enjoyed this If you listened all the way through A five star rating and review On Apple Podcasts Costs you nothing But means everything to me Lets people know What you like about the show Makes me feel good about myself Really And uh, helps us expand The fun we're having As always Be good Stay safe And I'll talk to you later Good night You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com, like The Chris Spangle Show, Liberty Explained, The Brian Nichols Show, The Boss Hog of Liberty, Freedom's Trips with Keaton Tucker, On the Run with Rimzo Martinez, Gingerarchy with Trisha Stewart Mann, Upward Libertarian Activism, and now hear this. Tune in now and we're going to help you sound smarter when talking with your friends.